deep dive into human potential with Dr. Richard Hume, unleashing the power of self-awareness. Join us in this enlightening interview with Dr. Richard Hume, a renowned hands-on healer with over 30 years of experience. Dr. Hume shares his unique insights into human potential and presents his path, grounded in the principles of universal law. Discover how to navigate from your current position to your desired destination and learn how to connect the dots of self-awareness. The conversation is a must watch for anyone seeking to understand their potential and harness the power of self-awareness. Tune in and embark on a journey of self-discovery with Dr. Hume. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. the same after we learned our 21-year-old daughter, Kristen, was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. It's a parent's worst nightmare. How much did we really know about domestic violence back then? Clearly not enough. Now we know plenty. We know domestic violence, or DV, can happen to anyone. One in three women suffer physical violence at the hands of intimate partners during their lifetimes. One in three. I'm Bill Mitchell, host of the When Dating Hurts podcast. And my interviews with DV counselors, law enforcement, and especially actual DV survivors give the pandemic of domestic violence the attention it deserves. The When Dating Hurts podcast. It's a series of lives being saved. Let me tell you a little bit about the guests that we have today. Dr. Richard Hume, a California native, is a former Air Force member turned chiropractor. He studied at Palmer West Chiropractic College and developed trigger point my myotherapy certification courses. Dr. Hume has various roles in executive networking groups and health committees and served on the American Heart Association board. His postgraduate certifications include chiropractic sports physician, fellow in medical acupuncture, master mindfulness practitioner, and diplomat in modern applied psychology. He's treated artists like Lady Gaga as a backstage doctor at concerts. After overcoming personal and professional challenges, he reinvented his practice, focusing on self-awareness and well-being. Currently, he runs a boutique mobile practice in Northern California. I am so pleased to help welcome to the stage, Dr. Richard Hume. Welcome. Thank you, April. <laughs> My pleasure. It's an honor to have you. I'm so excited to get this conversation going. And let's start by sharing with the audience a little bit more about you. Tell us about yourself. Well, you had mentioned you know, I was in the service. I was in the Air Force, um, served four years. Uh, Thank you for your service. Thing. And um, coming out, uh, met somebody, got married. Um, we had a couple of kids. Uh, then we had some uh, tragedies along with some success. You know, I was a successful chiropractor, um, Developed a contract uh, with 24 Hour Fitness at the time, world's largest fitness facility for an indoor uh, clinic, one of the only ones they had in the world, and was doing a lot of backstage work. And practice was going great. At the same time, though, mid-90s, uh, my wife had gotten uh, an addiction to Oxycontin. And mm. so this was at the beginning of that whole pandemic. And we went about eight years uh, together before we separated. And uh, during that separation, it was a lot of craziness. I ended up losing a practice, 
losing pretty much everything I had accomplished. Uh, and that's when I kind of realized that success wasn't tied to your achievements. Yeah. And from that place, I thought it was a great opportunity. I was doing some speaking on mind body medicine, great opportunity to basically figure it out myself from the ground floor. And so I started with a mind, body, spirit model, uh, brought it down to absolutes, uh, universal laws of energy. And so I wouldn't have any doubt myself in believing what I was learning. And over the next 15, 20 years, I uh, developed a program that would take me to a place of understanding uh, where I could accept what I've learned, um, experientially validate it, and develop some knowing on my own. And without really understanding where that was going for myself and my practice, uh, it developed a, a rapport for me with my patients uh, where I could see past their symptomatic uh, physical side of uh, visits and start looking into a lot of the other things, the emotional and the mental components uh, that would lead to some of their symptomatic presentations in the office. And realizing that self-knowledge was probably the greatest resource that we have in the healing arts and mm. teach patients self-report. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Yeah. Dr. Richard, thank you so much for being vulnerable in that description of, of life. And, and, and isn't it the case where we have to have these great upheavals in our world in order to really truly see the light of that, yes, there's all of these components of how to really live our best lives and show up in our best ways, which is heavily involved in the spiritual aspect of ourselves. And so I really love that you shared that about your, your personal life. Again, thank you so much for being vulnerable in that. And, and I say that because it's so often that the, the topic of, of drug and alcohol abuse, substance abuse does come up. So uh, it is unfortunate. And we we go there, we go to those darker places because of either, you know, especially in your your ex-wife's case, when when doctors are giving you something and then you just easily fall into that addiction piece. So I am so sorry to hear that. We've had guests on the show previously that talk extensively on that, where they become very passionate about the awareness of that that happens. So I see that it affected your life in a great, great way. Most definitely. You know, it was one of those things where I was able to, I kind of hid it from a lot of family. I didn't really talk about it. And we're sure. you know, about eight years that she was addicted. And finally, when we split and then uh, the proceedings after that just kind of went haywire. Uh, I thought that giving everything would you know, uh, make things better. But again, that was kind of my own issues that I had uh, that I grew through through this whole process. And um, it really is a um, when you can go through something like that, that has so much adversity, it gives you that resistance training where you can experientially validate a lot of these principles and philosophies that I talk about. Um, you have to live them to know them. And so it gave me that 
living Zen moments to say, wow, this really does work under very extreme situations. Um, so I'm, I mm. am very thankful and I consider my ex-wife one of my greatest mentors, actually. And um, but since then, things got happier. Um, you know, five years past that, I got remarried. Um, beautiful wife. Uh, she came with two kids. I had two kids. We had two kids. So we were the Brady Bunch, kind of incarnate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, we had twin daughters. And so we're um, wow. we're doing very well. So thank you. You're welcome. That's that's really beautiful. I I do appreciate that. And and so you know, you've talked about how you developed this, um, I, I don't know if I want to say a program, but this habitual aspect for yourself that you realized really does help and work no matter what is happening in our surroundings and based on universal principles, which I think is exciting. And I can't wait to dive into that because, you know, it's, it is something that needs to be taught and practiced continuously. It's not these things when we're, we're learning how to show up and we're restructuring the way that we think and react needs to be something that is done continuously. It doesn't ever stop. Uh, so I would love to start there. What were some of the things that you started to discover really were very helpful for you? First, you know, some of my early mentors, when I started to talk about mind-body medicine, it was just kind of, you know, I'd go to a lot of motivational speakers um, early on in practice, um, Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar, all these guys talk about motivation. And when you start any kind of business, that's kind of where you gravitate to, you know, listening to these people. And that kind of spilled off into a little bit of spirituality. Wayne Dyer was one of my biggest um, mm. uh, mentors early on and led me into some Louise Hay work. And there's such a dichotomy between the spirituality and the motivation. And it was very intriguing to me, um, trying to connect those two. And there was a common thread there. And when I went through a lot of the adversity, it gave me an opportunity to kind of quiet my mind and figure out, okay, if I want to do this, I want to do this from the where there is no doubt, removing the doubt and the uncertainty of all these, mm. you know, sayings and quotes and motivational things. I wanted to learn what was behind them because it was kind of like, uh, you know, I grew up Catholic and they kept saying, you know, just surrender your free will. And I'd be sitting in the back of the church saying, you're not getting my free will, <laughs> you know, because it sounded so foreign. I didn't know what that meant yeah. to surrender something. Now I do. And it's very easy. It's mm. like, of course, it's not just surrendering. It's accepting the bigger picture and you know whether you call it god universal intelligence um energy space higher consciousness it's it's all the same you put your label on it but uh it all has that common thread and that's what i was looking for i was looking for that common thread and uh what i attached it to was what we knew scientifically between the particle and the wave and starting at that point where they call chaos theory and moving up from there and start to um, look at religious and spiritual teachings, uh, Eastern and Western healing philosophies, and um, Newtonian and quantum physics, and finding where all of that, that common thread went through it all, and then taking philosophical leaps um, to connect some dots metaphysically, uh, and found that everything seemed to line up, and I could actually surrender to a philosophy like that in a higher belief system and then practice that. But I'm still reading, still practicing. And it's like probably over 20,000 hours of self-study on that topic alone. So it's just this endless, deep, cavernous, uh, you know, place of understanding. And so um, just on that journey. Dr. Richard, you're definitely going into, you know, when you, when we go down that rabbit hole, Right. And what, if you recall, what was the profound moment that you really decided that you needed, wanted, desired to go down that rabbit hole? I think it was the experiential validation during my divorce. Now, this was 10 years in divorce court. You can oh, imagine my goodness. losing stuff. And um, she was yeah. still very much addicted. So a lot of addicted personalities came out during that process. 
And um, I, I really didn't have a fighting chance. I gave up all of my, you know, material uh, resources. And so I painted myself in a corner and was behind the eight ball. And so a lot of these practices, and I'd have to credit a friend of mine. Uh, first time he had just gone through a divorce and he suggested that I get an attorney. And I said, no, it's going to be amicable. Uh, I don't want to do that. And so uh, it turned awful and wish I had one. And then um, the second piece of advice he gave me, he's like, don't argue with her. Don't fight in front of the kids. Um, you know, take the high road and do all this. And so I did that in uh, in the in the framework of understanding and love and uh, using a lot of these um, uh, principles and ideas that I was starting to learn and saw in real life how it changed the situation tremendously. It was incredible. It was almost surreal where certain things would just open up. And um, so it really gave me the impetus to keep working harder to try to get to work easier. And um, that was kind of the, the thing that let me know, hey, this is something. And mm -hmm. if I get down this road, it might turn into something greater. So you were beginning to see the evidence. Most of definitely. Yeah. You know, I think it's amazing because, of course, I this is something that fascinates me. Universal laws. We have so much science. We're so blessed to be in this current day and age because we have so much science and research and we continue to dive deeper into the knowing and the understanding of of energy and what all of the makeup is that that of which we cannot see, which is the greater percentage of what we can see. And it's fascinating. And I think that like most human beings on the planet know that there's something greater outside of ourselves yeah. in this physical realm that we're in. And so because of that, now we're starting to understand it more. And for for many people you have to really experience it it's one thing where it where it starts the belief system where you see the evidence because of the science because of that backing and then it's a whole nother thing that just makes it an even deeper belief when you really feel it and experience it and see the evidence of it so i would love to know what were some of the moments and times where you really saw and experienced what that was? Well, I tell you, my um, current wife, I saw that it enhances all every aspect of your life, you know, relationships, health, uh, wealth, um, purpose. And so I knew that if I could maintain a, a relationship with my wife, that was enhanced where you know there wasn't resentment assumption judgment um regrets uh, i used her as my gold standard you know and i said you know what because it's a lot easier to um you know not care about somebody who's living across the uh, across the neighborhood as somebody who you're very attached to. And that's part of the universal laws of energy is like when we pay attention to something, we assimilate that energy and uh, our, you know, energy goes where, where attention or energy flows where attention goes. Right. And so we start to assimilate that. And so when you have somebody as close to you as a, a spouse, you're very, very attached. And so in order to detach from the momentum of these emotions, it, it's challenging. And so if you can do that, then everything is easy past that. And so I used her as my gold standard and uh, it was rough for a while. Um, but now she says uh, that she thanks me for, you know, opening up her eyes to a lot of this philosophy. And uh, she probably well ahead of me now in this game. Uh, she's wonderful. And a uh, great mom and a uh, great wife and, you know, just appreciate her so much. We appreciate each other. And I think this is the, what it means with intimacy in a relationship is you get past a lot of the conditional aspects that 
kind of hinder movement uh, in a relationship and you just start to appreciate. And we have somebody that close and appreciating is just wonderful. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, well, Dr. Richard, I would love to have you give us some examples of what you mean by that with when you're talking about really being able to detach and yet having the understanding and awareness that we're all connected, but you're, you're, you're right. When we are so close with somebody, it's easy to get that entanglement. Right. And, and we, you know, we don't want to, because of that, we don't want it to go in a negative way where we become, you know, too familiar with and, all of those things. So you were really trying to make this relationship a better one, one that was going to be long lasting, one that where you could enjoy each other for, for a very long, long period of time. And so you did some steps and you took some actions in order to do that. I, I would love to know what were some of those things and why was it difficult for your partner during the time? Well, I think lots of times, you know, when somebody is trying to um, uh, work out of a higher vibrational state, you know, they're more optimistic or um, have a level of self-awareness. Sometimes it seems almost condescending to the person who might not be in that state of mind. Uh, and in relationships, it's it's up and down, you know, and universal law of rhythm, it's seasons. Uh, everything is is kind of up and down. Sometimes one is up and the other is down and it doesn't go well. Uh, with that conversation. And so it's just realizing that that is part of it where you can step away from it and observe it uh, objectively. And um, one one story is uh, she's a Pilates instructor and most spouses, I think it's kind of hard sometimes to hear the other one tell you what to do. And so when I started training with her, uh, that's all it is, is her telling me what to do. And so there is obviously some deeper underlying uh vibration in there that hindered me from fully listening to her instructions just because i was so close to her and maybe it was something the day before that you know sparked a little frustration in me that i held on to and there it was and it's hit my hot button with her maybe how she said it to me or not and there was a moment when I was lying on that machine and just said, you know what? This is it. This is my touchstone. This is where I allow because she knows what she's doing. She's very good at what she does. But, uh, you know, I had the same thing. My mom, when I had hair uh, as a kid, my mom would uh, cut her hair. She was a, a, a professional. And but all of us kids would whine and complain, you know, every time she'd always say, you're my worst clients ever, right? And it was the same thing here. I was her worst client. Uh, and so that moment where I could feel myself let go of that resentment, let go of that frustration and allow to hear the words that she was saying to appreciate her, to see her in a light of appreciation instead of that light of frustration. And it was like that. It's like, wow. It was just changed the whole, you know, environment, changed the whole aspect, changed our relationship you know, with her training me. And um, so it's kind of things like that. It's that experiential. You have to to live it to know it. Because when we see things, when we put our attention to it, cognitively, we, you know, want, don't want. Um, but once we accept it into our heart as a belief, that is what we want and don't want. But past that, we have to experience things that have that knowing, to go into your gut and have that sense of knowing. Uh, and that's what you're going to be committed to. And if you can uh, formulate that to be committed to see things with a um, through the filter of unconditional love, then you know that's the game. That's amazing. So you you guys really came to this agreement and understanding that you are going to test this out. You know, you you have started discovering that these are universal laws, and you wanted to you know, create that strong belief in them in order to really live them. And that takes a lot of work, right? That's going awesome. deeper into the subconscious uh, realm where we have all of that stuff deep inside of us because of the way that we were brought up and those, those deep values and beliefs that we 
we brought on along the way, whether good or bad, it doesn't matter. But so because you, you wanted to embody these universal values, then you, you really practiced this and you, you tested it. That's amazing. And so let's, let's give the audience a little bit more background because maybe people don't know exactly what universal values are. And so I don't want to continue confusing anyone, including myself. Let's talk about that. What are some of the universal values that you really wanted to start embodying? Well, you know, the biggest ones are the ones that you can, um, that stick out to you. The, the universal law of polarity that everything is energy and you're part of everything. And so there's a lot to that. A lot, a lot of people, if you can understand these principles and you subscribe to them and part of the process, um, the, I guess the template or the ladder um, that I'm developing to help, you know, my patients uh, develop some self-rapport is to understand these laws that if you uh, see some, everybody has a unique self-perspective um, because we we carry this whole trail, this this filtered lens of perception from you know genetic predisposition, where we grew up, our culture, whatnot, our life experience, and we all see things so differently that you understand that you're you just have an opinion, and other people have an opinion, and so there's a couple of ways to go about that. You can uh, argue your, your point, or you can simply just understand what you know and live within that. Uh, the universal law of polarity was one of the biggest ones that, you know, understanding that all energy, which we are, uh, has two points of view. You look at the yin yang symbol, you know, mm-hmm. is it right? Is it wrong? Is it what I want or what I don't want? but it's conditional at that point. And that's where the problem comes in because everybody has their own opinion and their own conditions that they've, you know, grown through and, and filter things through. But if you look at it as just contrast, and then it's not just diversity, it's uniquity. Everybody has a uniqueness to them. Instead of looking at the divide, like you're different, you're unique. And just that simple turn of phrase relaxes your guard you just feel that energetic change of like okay i don't have to there's no uncertainty to it and once you start going down that line of uncertainty there's doubt worry anxiety fear you know and then momentum goes down there and so it's training yourself in situationals where you want to be able to respond to life respond to these circumstances you cannot control and I mean, and that's just from one universal law. And there's, you know, 12 of them that I focus on. And if you read there, you see 50, 52 of them, wherever. You know, I didn't have that much time. These worked for me uh, just to build something that I can jump off on that that I can believe. And a lot of people might argue the point, And I don't even feel like I need to defend what I have because most of it is out there. And, and yeah. a lot of it can't be proven, but a lot of it can't be disproven. And so I'll set on that. It's kind of like an office policy. It's like, well, my office policy of the universal laws of energy, you know, and they're absolute and energy and change are the only absolutes in the universe. And if you go with those, you won't have doubt. And if you work out of them, then you can kind of start to maintain that and rehabituate how you see things, recondition your mind. But it is work. Yeah, Oh, I, I love that you say that energy and change, mm-hmm. you know, those, those two things, you're right. It really does switch the perspective when you have an understanding of that. And I, and I say it a lot on the show about my experience of living with an autoimmune disease where you never know from one day to the next, you know, one day you could be lying in bed and you can't move and you can't get up and you don't know if tomorrow is coming. And then the next day you are able to get out of bed and you go for a walk and stick in the short period of time. But what that lesson has given me is that understanding that change is the only constant. And because change is constant, you're not going to remain 
in the thoughts and feelings and conditions that you are in at that moment. Well, if I had patients like yourself, autoimmune um, disease or been diagnosed with something like that, and you had an experience where it's like, oh, here it is, and then it's gone for a little bit. And I said, okay, well, you own it now because we've broken that momentum that that disease has because you know the power that made the body is the power that heals the body and that power mm. is energy. and energy is thoughts and you know we go back to belief and placebos and yeah. uh and all of that that brings credence to you know that understanding and so if we can you know there's a difference of having a bumper sticker saying you know don't worry be happy some people can look at that and say oh yeah i won't <laughs> i won't worry i'll just be happy but some people need this whole explanation of the universal laws of energy and how things work from the cosmos and order to the chaos of disorder and everything in between. And that's what I needed. I needed to get this whole understanding to remove all doubt from me so I could have a knowing and not feel like I was just a used car salesman, you know, trying to, you know, spill out some of this. And this is the the time of, you know, have you ever seen so many life coaches and, and people who want to do well? And, you know, you can even go into astrology and it's the age of Aquarius and, and all this stuff is gelling where we're, we're coming along and it's evolution. We're, yes. you know, if you're understanding in the even chakras, energy centers of the body, we're moving up um, the, uh, all these energy centers in the body. Uh, first three have to do with our human needs, right? But mm -hmm. I believe that we're still evolving and the next evolution is going to be the heart chakra, which is compassion. And if you look around you, that is what we're going to need. We need compassion. And um, I, I think we're just kind of continuing to grow in that, you know, nothing's mm -hmm. fixed, it's growing. So these are the uh, liberties I take with this philosophy and the science and everything to make that leap saying, okay, if you look at physics and the momentum of energy without resistance, it just keeps going. And that's flow. As far as we know it in, um, uh, in our lives, it's going to be a flow, thing. but we're going to have our ups and downs. But when you can achieve that, then you understand like, okay, I can maintain something when times are good and flow, but when times aren't so good, I'm self-aware and I'm not going to freak out. I'm going to, my ability to respond to life is going to be a lot stronger and I'm not going to react emotionally and let that momentum take me down to a fear-based, you know, lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. This is certainly one of my favorite topics, Dr. Richard. I, I love it so much because you, through my journey with the autoimmune disease and starting to understand that energy had so much play in that. And, and I'm talking about the, you know, when I say stress is the number one killer, well, what's attached to that stress, it's all attached to emotion and that is energy and we, we are energetic beings. So when we invite that into our world and we don't have the tools in order to uh, maintain it in a, in a, in a proper way and calm our bodies down and lower that heart rate, then it becomes that stress. And when it continues to, to happen, the body responds in that way and it becomes disease. And, and, you know, so it's amazing that that happens when I started realizing that with my flare ups and, and life just blowing up all around me because of my emotions and that response and, and having that energy and then learning how to, to maintain it and, and life gets a little easier. And you're talking about that flow that we enter into, but yes, it definitely is a, a constant practice that we know and the more awareness we have. And, and I love your optimism. You're definitely my kind of people because I, I too believe that I, I like to think that we are evolving. That's the purpose of this show is to help evolve humanity. And so that's part of it where we start to learn more and we do have the awareness of this. It just continues to rise us up. Most definitely. You know, and I used Einstein's law of relativity to kind of highlight some of that resistance, you know, and again, you know, some liberties I've taken with this 
is you know the e equals mc squared um, thing. Now we know that c squared is uh, speed of light, and reading on Einstein, he was looking for something closer to consciousness, and uh, he didn't have anything he could quantify uh, outside of the fastest source of energy he could see was you know the speed of light. Now we know that space is faster than light. And so if you throw that into the equation, space, then the M is going to equal mass. And we know that thoughts are mass. And so pretty much if in, uh, you know, as a doctor, you learn that the, um, the things that cause stress in the life is physical, emotional, and mental. And so yeah. that's what you plug into that M is physical, emotional, and mental. And that's what's dragging us down. That's the resistance. That's what in Buddhism they call suffering. And the E is us, is our aura, our attitude, our electromagnetic signature in this universe. That is us vibing. And so within that equation, you can look at, okay, what, what physical things I got going on, what you know, emotional, what mental. And we have the power, the, the potential we hold is uh, human potential is in this mind-body-spirit model, uh, where if we can have some body-mind coherence, things are in alignment, you walk your talk, then that resistance is going to be a lot less because you become less conditional and you become more authentic. And that energy just kind of flows naturally. Now you're always susceptible to, you know, environmental uh, things outside, but there's some miraculous things going on out there where, you know, I, I watched a channel where some guy was eating rotten food uh, to save himself from something. And, uh, and it worked for him because he believed it. And he had yeah. a following and there's a bunch of stuff like that. Um, so belief is, you know, very empowering. And when you can believe, put your belief system, not in the limited belief system we, we grew up through, but in this higher uh, understanding of how the universe works and believe in that, believe that we are eternal beings in this universe of infinite possibilities. And so if you believe that, then you have to subscribe to looking at things through the filter of unconditional love, which seems very remote for a lot of people to even get there. But that's yeah. the North Star. That's where you want to head to. And, you know, it's, sometimes you get flashes. You have an experience using that perception and you'll get that knowing. And then next time it comes around, you're a little bit more set. I really like that you bring that up, Dr. Richard, that sometimes you get it and you get that flash and you get the feeling, but it doesn't just stay there necessarily mm. for everyone. Right. And, and I really, really appreciate that you bring that up because the, the concept of unconditional love, and if we consider source to be the ultimate uh, mm -hmm. love, right? Like this, the, the most profound love that you can ever experience it. And oftentimes when you go into deep meditation, you, you can reach that point and it's not every time, but every now and again, you reach that and you feel this deep sense of love. Mm -hmm. And then the next time it happens, it, it feels even deeper and like you could never experience or think or explain the the profound sense of love that you're feeling right and mm -hmm. so but i but i bring that here because when we talk about you know forgiveness or having that unconditional love it is difficult for all of us to get to that point uh, the majority of us are not there and and they're very very few people who have lived on the planet that have gotten there. And mm -hmm. so because of that, I think it's just really important that you bring that up, that it's something that we continue to strive for and to understand. And, but it yeah. doesn't just happen. Right. So. That, yeah. Oh, I'm, go ahead. Please. I'm curious, what, what are some of the things that you do in your practice to continue on? Like, you know, learning and obtaining these, these wisdoms. So I think it's just pretty much, you know, I tried to, I don't know if you're familiar with the term homunculus. It's, uh, mm -hmm. no, um, so I don't think so. Neurophysiology, there's, um, you, you, when you're studying the brain, there's a lot going on there. And so they build this little caricature, this, this cartoony kind of weird, um, 
kind of guy that's spread out over the whole brain. So he's got a head over here, an arm over here, this over there. And what it's supposed to do is give you an idea of where in the brain controls these parts of the body. And so that had always stuck with me because it was a great learning tool um, when I was in school. And so I took that concept with this project where I, I'm very visual and very, all my notes, I've got to draw little pictures and stuff. So I've always been visual like that. And so I needed to build a homunculus for the volume of information that I would be taking in. Um, well, so the word it, itself, yeah. the term itself sounds like a, a voluptuous, <laughs> <laughs> if that's even a word. It just sounds, I love the name. I love it is. The name. So the homunculus is um, so basically just this image, this. Oh, if I have a, uh, a picture or something, I oh, don't know, none of these things. I'll show you this so that let, let me bring you in closer. Yeah. So I'm just making crazy drawings. You know, there's always something that have to do with images. And so all these images will just, you know, I know what they mean. But they, they, they go on and uh, I can condense information to, uh, for my understanding. And every night I'm just kind of putting those pieces that I understand and then trying to philosophize and connect more dots. You know, I've always been able to, uh, I think my superpower has been uh, taking abstract things in my life and, and relating them to other things. And so kind of able to take all these uh, aspects of science and philosophy and pull them in where I needed them and connect some dots and build this bridge. And so that helps with my understanding. And uh, most of the time, you know, people I'll talk to just will give me that blank stare and just like, you know, what are you talking about? So um, my, my job now is to simplify. So I'd be able to um, uh, build this, this rapport with my patients in such a way that they understand that this is their superpower that once you understand at least the groundwork then you can let go and stop judging yourself and and you know because you know i'm still working on it you're still working on it everybody's still working on it all my mentors are still working on it so it's this lifelong thing but it's the best thing to be committed to because if you want to better yourself and if you google what does everybody want they want better yeah. relationships, health, wealth, whatever it is, everybody wants mm -hmm. better. And so better is growth. Better is expansion. Better is understanding that there's a belief system yeah. so much higher than the one we're working on that as we start to subscribe to it, even if you can't do it all the time, just knowing that that's what you want to do. Yeah. And so it's just constant work and where you can fit it in little things, um, you know, intend during the day where I'm going to have this meeting later and, and meet some friends. How do I want to present? How do I want to present myself authentically to them? And yeah. you know, what's, what are my hot buttons if they, you know, mention something about me or, you know, uh, so, you know, there's, there's a lot going on there too. Yeah. Well, you definitely mentioned something about thinking more objectively when people show up the way that they do and maybe have a sense to trigger and the, the yin and the yang. And so, uh, you know, it's awesome that you can talk about that or observe things in that way. And it makes it so much easier. It just, it, it takes off so much burden where you don't have any expectations of the way that people show up because we're also individual and that's the beauty of it. Right. So, uh, you know, thank you so much for sharing some of your drawings and your work because, <laughs> you know, being that visual person and yes. a, a lot of it looked to me like, like energy, energy centers, yes. maybe, you know, because it, it allows us to, if you're working with clients, have an idea of when you're talking to them and they're describing things of really knowing what's coming up for them and what, what places, you know, if we talk energy centers, what is really coming up for them and what what area of concentration needs to be had. And I don't know, I'm, I'm sure that you've heard of Dr. Joe Dispenza. He's one of my favorites mm -hmm. as far as uh, describing these things in such a way to understand. And I love his books. And he talks a lot about, too, something that you mentioned was the, the belief systems that we have and eating the rotten food 
is going to work for somebody because they have this strong belief that it will, that it will heal them. And, and Dr. Joe Dispenza has many examples of that. You know, people who are bitten by uh, poisonous snakes that will certainly kill uh, pretty much anything and in any one, and yet it doesn't. And walking over coals of fire. I mean, it's, it's all this power of belief and how amazing that is. But really what it brings to is how powerful we are and that we're more powerful than you could possibly imagine. And so coming to that understanding and concept is, is very profound. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I had recently, oh no, I, I've forgotten his name and I shouldn't have. Um, I'll come to, I, I just saw him. He works with actually speaking with uh, Dr. Dispenza now, uh, him and Greg Braden. Uh, and I love all those guys. And I had come more yeah, from, yeah. and uh, I had come more from the um, the spiritual end of things uh, initially um, before I started to discover a little bit more of the scientific end of it and Dr. Dispenza. And um, so all of that, it all ties in and everybody's talking about the same thing, but it's from different places. Uh, you know, even uh, the uh, individual who became uh, Scientology. Um, Elrod, Elrod Hubbard, if you read his background, you know, he's a nuclear physicist. And so all of his writings there just seem very kind of, you know, bizarre. And, and the, his whole church that he made is, is kind of gone sideways. But initially, uh, this was what he was trying to disseminate and make it into a very scientific um, uh, thing for people to follow. And, um, you know, and, and lots of times places get bad raps would be called a cult or this, that, or the other. Yeah. And sometimes people take advantage of this knowledge because they build such a rapport where they're looked at as an authority figure and, mm -hmm. you know, they, they choose to, uh, use their power for, uh, you know, for their own, you know, uh, doing instead of serving. And there that's, that's kind of the bottom line is, is what we're yeah. looking at in, uh, you know, you want to feel safe and have a sense of belonging, but this purpose within everybody is your your superpower and what you love to do and you're good at it and you can do it and have fun with it and express yourself that you know your cup runneth over that's mm. what you're looking for is just be able to flow all of this stuff channel it through and and help somebody yeah you know? oh goodness well wow we I, I don't know if we want to go there. That would be a really deep rabbit hole, wouldn't it? Where, But I also appreciate that you brought it up because there is that, right? Where people do have this knowledge and understanding that how, how truly to use energy mm -hmm. because we are energy and everything in on around us is, yeah. right? That's the makeup, the components of everything. And because of that, utilizing it in not such a great way that is in benefit of those around them. And so when we talk about the discussion, though, where it really starts with us, and we talk about uh, self-development and improving, and we, we discuss that people really want better, right? They want better relationships, better lives, better wealth, better whatever. And it, it truly does start with the self. Uh, Derek Kayongo uh, was a guest on the show, and he's an amazing human being, refugee out of uh, Uganda in the 90s. And he said, for, for any issues in Africa, it's not about pumping more money into Africa, but it's about the, the, the self and, and healing and working on yourself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I thought that that was brilliant and, and I, I, and I love to say that as well, that that's where it is. It's, it's not about the people around you or trying to control everything outside of you and other people, because you certainly cannot control others, but we have yeah. all the power to control ourselves. So because of that, you do talk a lot about, um, about knowing the self. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk a little bit about that because that's been on your journey and understanding of that self-awareness piece, self-reflection aspect of us. 
that might be the toughest part. You know, went through a lot of cathartic uh, crying. You know, I was raised with a with a dad from uh, back east, and so there wasn't a lot of hugging. There wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, uh, telling you he loved you, but you always knew that they did. So, I think that plays as you start to grow and uh, you have a family and you start to emulate these things that you believe should be done raising families and whatnot. Um, you, you start to kind of question some of these things and question your relationship with your parents and whatnot. And so I'll, I'll share this story, you know, it's about my father. And this is one of the, the biggest breakthroughs I had in accepting uh, myself. And because if you have any, any want within you, um, then that is a sign that you're not accepting your whole self, um, being of want mm -hmm. of anything. Um, and I, I think, you know, Dr. Dispenza talks about the, the, the have to, to do, to be something. Uh, and that's where I was at. I needed to have achievement in order to, you know, become something. And uh, early on, I had a lot of achievement in my practice, but this was all kind of my upbringing and, and where I was coming from. But this dream I had um, with my father was uh, when I was exploring my own self-awareness and uh, self-acceptance, because you can learn this stuff, you can understand it, but you need to accept it in your heart fully and then experience things that have this knowing. Uh, and so that accepting part is, is kind of tricky. And so you have to work on yourself a lot and uh, do a lot of self-forgiveness uh, and getting over your past, you know, resents, guilts, uh, fears. And I had this dream is after my father had passed away and we were taking a walk somewhere he fell ill and he just started to, you know, almost disintegrate in front of me and uh, just, you know, fluids coming out of every orifice. And it was just the, the worst. And I just he was just dying in front of me. And I'd have this dream over and over. I uh, kneel by him, trying to help him. And then I kind of wake up before he either passed or, you know, something had happened. And so when I was in a higher state of being where I could um, process this information from uh, a perspective of self-awareness, I had it once again, and I felt unconditional love for him in that moment. I couldn't do anything to help him, but I knew how I felt. And when I come into the understanding of the feeling I was having was this unconditional love in that instant yeah. I heard his voice saying that's how I felt about you oh god so I mean it kind of you know still gets me a little bit here yeah um, but that was my I guess what I wasn't understanding from him in our relationship but uh now that I have sons too I it's the same kind of dynamic you know where we run into these these things and you're trying to do your best to, yeah. you know, raise them best you can, but there's always going to be some kind of pull away. Uh, and you always just want your kids to know that you love them unconditionally. And that when you have that experience of that, that's when you cultivate that feeling. That's when you say, okay, I know that that's what that feels like. And so you take it on your journey and you try to emulate that feeling again. And that's, the only way you can really kind of do a lot of this work is is by cultivating these feelings and just have this cognitive knowing of like, oh, that feeling means I let go of things. So that feeling means I yeah. still have to present or, you know. Oh, you give me shivers and, you know, we'll try not to make this a crying session because <laughs> it, it certainly brings up emotion to me as a parent as well. Yeah. and. Uh, you know, I, I, we, we sometimes have discussions revolving our children and, and being a parent is difficult and we do the best we can with what we know, right. Until we start to go on the journey of, of self-development and self-awareness and self-compassion and all of those things really takes play. And, and 
Yeah, you're right. You, we just want our children to know that we love them unconditionally, no matter what. Yes. And that is a, a lesson that is um, very difficult to do because we we want that control aspect because we want them to have all the tools and to show up greatly in the world in order to succeed and and we want them to not endure all the pain and suffering that we do and yet that is that is part of the process for their own self evolution and I think that that was one of the greatest things for me to come to realization was that and allow me to surrender and let go of being that more uh, of, of wanting to control and to protect as a parent yeah. was knowing that they were on their own journey and they had to be, yes, and that yes. that was, that was beyond my control. But what was, was me being able to lead by example and give them as many tools as I could. Yeah. Um, and that's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I don't want to cry because that, that is definitely one of the things. Uh, but what you're saying, Dr. Richard, is that, you know, it, it took you a while. I mean, you had many dreams, nightmares of this experience with your father. And, and then it came to that moment where you just knew. And now you have this overwhelming feeling of love and understanding and which is an incredible experience, but it took you a little bit of time. It took your, your unconscious mind to be doing a lot of processing and a lot of work with you through that. Most definitely, you know, and I was inspired by, um, get his name right. Um, Michael Beckworth, Beckin Beckworth, uh, gentleman is in the spirituality field. Uh, long time mm -hmm. uh, telling his story and something similar where he had this uh, epiphany um, with, with a dream in, in self-acceptance and, and whatnot. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I knew there's a possibility. It's like, Oh, it can come to you in that way. And, um, yeah. and then when I had some kind of roadblocks, I've had several different kind of dreams that were very enlightening um, with, you know, past relationships and whatnot that really gave um gave credibility to what I was trying to process and, you know, try to achieve for myself. Um, there's this thing with conditionality and unconditionality, you know, we're talking about unconditional love. And uh, I was talking to a colleague of mine and he was just kind of shaking his head saying, no, that's not a, not a real thing, at least, you know, to, to work with. Um, but it's that hope that that light at the end of the tunnel, you know, you kind of move towards that. And when you have experiences uh, like the ones I had, you can start to cultivate that feeling and just know like, OK, that's that's a plausibility to 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 have that. And the more you start to experience and recognize it, that's where this whole, you know, rehabituating, you know, neuroscience, reconditioning your mind all comes in and and that power of belief. Um, that um, develops into a knowing for you. Uh, yeah. And and one of the things with, with cultivating that too, you know, I, I use the remark, we were talking about kids, is, you know, you get two of these huge uh, towers, uh, skyscrapers with a cable going between them. And if somebody put, you know, a few gold bars on the other side saying, you know, would you go across there? Uh, there's a lot of conditions that you'd consider, you know, well, can I, <laughs> on is the wind is it cool you know uh, you know all these things that come around but if you stuck your kid on the other end of that those conditions go away mm -hmm. and do it and so running those things cognitively in your head so you can accept like oh yeah i do that and then have that knowing and the feeling of how committed you would be to to do something like that that's the commitment you want with with uh the purpose that you end up you know, um, working with through your life. You want that kind of commitment. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, Dr. Richard, we could go on and on. I know you might just have to come back to the show so we can continue discussions because uh, it, it is truly, um, you know, they're in, in a world of infinite possibilities. Mm -hmm. We could continue on <laughs> and on, right? So 
I want to talk about what you are bringing to the world to help others explore their own possibilities. And you have this website that I've displayed a few times throughout and I'm displaying now. For the audience who's listening in, it is www.divinealignment.life. Again, that is www.divinealignment.life. Fitting title. I love that. And so I would love for you to take just a moment to explain what it is that you're bringing into the world now. So this project is kind of an interweaving between what I do physically as a chiropractor. Um, and you had mentioned I, I taught some um, certification courses in trigger point myotherapy. Uh, they also call it emotional release technique. Um, I'm a, a fan of any kind of fascial movement in the body, and that's a whole other uh, discussion. But uh, all of our, our senses, when we go out into the world, uh, the receptors in our environment go directly to our fascia. And this is connective tissue that invests our whole bodies. And if you would imagine being stressed out and your shoulders raise and your head goes forward and your chest gets tight, that that connective tissue is starting to learn that that uh, postural framework for the body and it will manifest into all kinds of other things. Um, Eastern philosophy, medicine, the uh, uh, meridians in the body, the energy pathways through the body, uh, a, a master can tell you that if this point is blocked in so many years, this organ is going to be affected and that's what you may die from. And uh -huh. so there's this um, there's this understanding for me that the best I can offer my patients is to teach them self-report, their, their relationship with themselves, self-knowledge. Uh, self-knowledge is to know thyself is the beginning of all wisdom. That's Socrates. Mm. And so way back all this understanding. And so if I can be a part of helping people with their physical, put out the fires, make them feel better, and then give them an understanding about, you know, what's going on. And first they have to have the intent. They have to want to know. And yeah. uh, it could just start with a curiosity or like they say in the Bible, a mustard seed of faith to tip that scale, Zig Ziglar with his altitude. It just leans that way. And then momentum of the universe will take it in that direction yeah. and uh, understand some of these concepts, um, universal laws, uh, our human potential, uh, mind, body, spirit model, this framework, uh, give us some understanding analogies, metaphors, life experiences, so they can really get the aha moments and then um, uh, set them out to experientially validate all these things for themselves and have these experiences where they can cultivate and start to fully accept themselves wholly so they can express fully and, um, uh, and then have just this knowing that that's how things are and give them a sense of inner peace. And so we want to be, you know, moving some between inner peace and, um, you know, eagerness, enthusiasm, joy, you know, mm. in the world. And just know that through the universal law of rhythm, there's going to be seasons up and down. Yes. And when you take those down things, you'll take all your knowledge with you and just go, you know what, this is life. And now I'm finding these, these areas that are getting tough where I can practice some of this stuff and see how it gets through. And that's what I had with my, you know, situation, some very hard situations where I applied some of these principles and was just amazed and, and gave me that knowing to hold on to, uh, to give me the confidence to talk to people, you know, uh, patients about this, you know, if they're willing to listen to it. So yeah. uh, that's, that's kind of the, the bigger picture is to get a workshop with the, the physical treatment, combine the two, um, body, mind, divine alignment. Mm, I love that. And I love the choice of experiential validation. I mm -hmm. think that that is, is really the, a key component. I think it's incredible. Wow. You are just a wealth of knowledge. You certainly have had much of that experiential validation in order to bring this to us. So thank you so much, Dr. Richard. Is there anything else that you want to share with our audience today? No, just that there's, you know, uh, everybody has this absolute potential about themselves. Uh, 
the potential that's held in potential energy, uh, the power that he made the body, the power that heals the body, and human potential, how we think, act, and feel. That's our superpower. We can't do anything else uh, outside of ourselves. And so if you think of uh, unconditional thought, well, the, when we're making decisions about anything, the who, what, where, when, how, and why of life, uh, conditionally, there's a lot to be had there, a lot of navigating, and, and that's where control comes in, in our, in our frustrations and the resistance um, of moving through life. But in an unconditional uh, perspective, our perception of things, the who, what, and where, the people, places, and things, we can't control, so they become a non-issue. Um, the when, time, in this uh, state of energy, you start seeing synchronicity. Uh, things just start to happen. Uh, you know, law of attraction, uh, another one of the universal laws. Uh, the how, the next step will always be shown to you. Uh, you'll be called to it or drawn by it. And the why is because it's your purpose. Uh, you're, you're, you're focusing on what it is that you love to do and what's going to help people. And you kind of live in that that state until you fall out of it. And then you just try again. So I love that. Dr. Richard Hume, everyone, absolutely incredible, brilliant mind. Thank you so much for sharing your light and wisdom with our audience today. Thank you so Thank much you for being a guest. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And thank you again, everyone, for our audience here. Without you, the show wouldn't be possible. So we appreciate you more than you could possibly know. You can always find in the show notes in the description the information about our incredible guests like we have here today, Dr. Richard Hume. And so find out more about what he's doing. He very apparently obviously has an, an amazing amount of wisdom and understanding. And so he's a great person to guide you through. So if you loved what you heard today, definitely go check him out. Again, thank you so much for being here on the Wellness Driven Live Show. Goodbye for now, and we will see you next time.